Bash. Today, we want you back here. Four o'clock today, we're going to have a great time. There's a little rain out there. If it's raining at four o'clock, we're going to be inside. All the same fun stuff. Nine Square will be right over here. We're going to have moon bounces out there. Uh, something for the kids, for the youth, for young adults, for adults, everybody. Uh, we're going to have our food still. If, uh, if the weather dries up and we have a little patch there of nice weather, we're going to have hay rides outside. So definitely come. If you want to help out, come a little early, three o'clock, two thirty. By then, the, com the commanders will probably already have that game won. <laughs> I'm hoping. Hopefully. I'm believing. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so come on over, and you can help me set up Nine Square. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we also this week have Wednesday night dinner. What's going on Wednesday night? That's right. So we're starting our semester of Wednesday night dinner and discipleship this Wednesday, uh, September the 14th, um, and it goes through December 14th, um, so every week on Wednesday. Uh, dinner's from 5.30 to 6.30. Now, uh, there were some questions last service on what, what's for dinner, so I've got some information for you. This week, it's going to be a little different, actually, every week, different menu, different pricing, but this week we're having pizza, $2 per slice, and salad for those of you who don't eat pizza, $2. So love to have you out for dinner. Also, stay for uh, the discipleship portion of the evening. That's going to be 6.30 to 7.45. We've got programming for all ages. We have groups. We also have classes as well, uh, Alpha, and then the class that I'm teaching, which is Life Together. And if you don't have enough pizza Wednesday night, Sunday, we're having pizza with the pastor after the service, 12.30 p.m. This is for new folks that have been coming to the church over the past three months or six months that I haven't had a chance to sit down with. I can answer any questions you have about the church, just get to know you a little bit. Some of the other staff members and pastors will be there. A pizza with the pastor. Let us know if you're coming, and uh, we'd love to have you join us after the service. My philosophy is you can never have enough pizza. So, <laughs> Sunday. Consignment sales coming up October 1st is our fall consignment sale. I've often thought as a pastor and a church planner, how could I get a thousand unchurched people to visit my church? And you guys already figured that out. Yeah. Consignment sales the way. Now we've just got to have folks to show up and love these folks and invite them to church to come back on Sunday. And so you can help us out by being here Friday night, Saturday, helping with the setup, helping with the breakdown, and using this really community mission serve opportunity in an evangelistic opportunity to reach out to families and share Christ with them. That's right. Well, last week we uh, started a series called You Belong Here. Today we're wrapping it up. It's just a two-part series. I talked a little bit about uh, how I came to know the Lord, um, and we compared two different models, the cultural and the biblical model of belonging. Pastor Todd, today you're going to be teaching some biblical truths about belonging. So looking forward to it. Thank you, Pastor Tony. I enjoyed Pastor Tony's sermon last week. If you weren't here, you'll want to listen to it. He shared about how so often in, in culture we believe that only when we believe like these folks and behave like these folks can we really belong. A lot of churches act like that. It's kind of a cultural model of belonging. But how the, the way that Christ makes disciples is the opposite. He was just walking down the road, saw people fishing, saw people in the fields and said, come and follow me. And then as they followed him, they began to believe, they began to change the way they lived and often ultimately be transformed by his presence. And so he just shared a great story from his own life of how he came to meet Christ here at Christ Church by first belonging and then believing and then be transformed by God's grace. Today we are in our second 
week of this sermon series. It's our last week as well. Next week, we're going to start a new sermon. We're calling the new sermon series next week, The Name It Defines You. The Name It Defines You. We're talking about identity. We're going to be going through Acts 3 through 10, Acts chapter 3 through 10, and and talking about where we find our identity. I think our society as a whole is in a bit of an identity crisis. People are trying to figure out what they identify with and, and what their identity is rooted in. And, uh, and for we that are believers, we have an identity in Christ, in the name of Christ, in being Christian, that Jesus offers us a new life and a new way of living. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like to have our identity in Christ, what changes in our lives when we root our lives in Christ's identity. That's going to be next week. This week we're talking about belonging. The question I have for you this morning is, do you know what it feels like not to belong? Anybody here know what it feels like not to belong? Anybody ever felt like you didn't belong? We we just have a lot of belongers here. Nobody here ever went to middle school? <laughs> Come on now. I know if you went to middle school, you weren't that one kid who belonged. Everyone, all the rest of us felt like, what am I doing here? Hope nobody notices I don't belong. Anybody ever been on a new job where you show up and you're trying to act like you know what you're doing? You have no idea what you're doing. You know no one and you're like, hey, can you help me out? I'm trying to, they're like, you just call Sue. And you're like, okay, who's Sue? You know, <laughs> just, just, just pick up the phone. It'll be easy. You know what that feels like? You, have, you ever moved to a new community? You, you didn't know the language. You didn't know the culture. You didn't know if you dressed right or looked right. And you knew everybody was looking at you and like, I don't, that person doesn't belong here. You know that feeling? I don't belong. Some of you guys get that feeling when you come to church. And I know you walk through the doors and you're like, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I believe the same thing that all these folks believe. I don't know if I'm dressed right. You know that feeling? Today we're going to talk about belonging because belonging is essential to our lives. The way we were created, we were created to belong, but belonging is not easy. And, uh, and so today I want to look at, if you'll let me, uh, three truths about biblical belonging, three biblical truths about belonging. The main idea here is that we all need a place to belong. Belonging is not easy, but God created a special place for us to belong, and it's called the church. We're going to talk about what that means. Number one, three biblical truths to belonging. Number one, you were made to belong. You were made to belong. Turn to somebody around you and tell them, you know, you were made to belong. That did not sound very convincing. <laughs> if, if you had said that to me, I would have been like, I'm no, no, say it like me. Like, you were made to belong. All of us were made to belong. I want to walk you through Genesis 1 through 11. That's a lot, but I'm going to walk you through quickly some of the high points of Genesis 1 through 11. And I want to make the, the point here that you were made to belong. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, just the very first chapter of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke, let there be light, and light was created. In the very beginning, in chapter 1, seven times in the Scripture, the Bible says God looked at what He made and said it's good. You know, He made day one, day two, day three, day four. Seven times on those six days of creation, God looked at what He made and He said it's good. If you're following along at home, Genesis 1-4, God created the light. He looked at it and said, it's good. Genesis 1-10, God created the dry ground and the seas. He saw it 
that it was good. Genesis 1.12, he made vegetation, plants, and trees. God saw it, and it was good. The repetition of those words, God saw it, and it was good. Genesis 1.18, he made the sun, moon, and the stars. God saw it, and it was good. Genesis 1.21, God created the fish and the birds. God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.25, God made the animals on the earth, and God saw it, that it was good. Genesis 1.31, God created humanity. Male and female, God created them in his image. And God looked at all that he created, and he said, behold, it is very good. Seven times God looked at this creation he made, and he said, it's good. It's perfect. I couldn't have done any better, right? I gave it all that I had and made it perfect. But then in Genesis 2, there's a second narrative telling of creation. There's two stories about the same work, creation. Genesis 1, God spoke over seven days, six days really, he rests on the seventh, and over the six days he spoke creation of being. Genesis 2, it goes back and it looks at a different uh, at, the, at the same event from a different lens, and it talks about how God took the dust of the, of the ground, and he formed that dust of the ground into a body, into a person, and he breathed his breath into that person. That person came alive. His name was Adam, Ha-Adam, the man. He was the man, and, and God created this man, and then God created this garden and put the man in the garden. The garden was surrounded by four rivers all around it. The garden had all these trees that bore fruit 12 months of the year, bountiful harvest of food. The man was right there. And the scripture says, but something was missing. There was gold, there were jewels, there was food. It was this lavish life. It was this perfect life, but something was missing. God created animals and brought all these animals to, to the man. There, there was no death. There was no animosity between animals. Adam gave names to all the animals. And yet still something was missing. And it says in Genesis 2, 1 through 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good. Let me say that again. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable for him. And you know the story. He took the rib created a woman, they came together, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The point is, before sin ever came into the world, when everything was perfect in this bountiful garden where there was no jealousy and there was no sin and there was no hunger and there was no illness and there was no grief or loss or death, there was, it was a perfect paradise. Everything was good. That's the point of Genesis chapter 1. Everything God created was good, but one thing wasn't good. One thing wasn't quite right. One thing was incomplete, and that is we were created for community. None of us were created to find life in ourselves alone. We were, found, we were created to find life in relationships. In our relationship with God, yes, as Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, but also in relationship with other people. You and I, we were created to belong. Before sin ever entered the world, sometimes we think, oh, I feel so needy. I feel like I need people. No, you were created to belong. That's how God made you. God didn't make you to be self-sufficient on your own. God didn't make any of us to be able to do it all on our own. We were created to be in relationship. You were made to belong. 
I uh, saw this article a few years ago from University of Minnesota. It's entitled, uh, Taking Charge of Your Health and Well-Being. The subtitle is, Why Personal Relationships Are So Important. Why Personal Relationships Are So Important. And the author goes through and cites a bunch of studies to make the point that personal relationships are important. Uh, They say four benefits of personal relationships. She says, number one, that when we have strong personal relationships, we live longer. She said this, 148 studies found that people with strong social relationships are 50% less likely to die prematurely. Well, that's, that's pretty convincing, right? Half the chance of dying prematurely if you got strong personal relationships. That's worth working on, I'd say. The second benefit, she says, to strong personal relationships is that we deal with stress better, and she talks about that. The third benefit is that we're healthier. The fourth benefit is that we tend to feel richer, even if we aren't financially richer, we feel richer. She said there's three things that we have less of if we have strong personal relationships. One, we have less depression. Two, we have less Uh, decreased immune function diseases, and three, we have less cases of high blood pressure. Belonging is what we were created for, and when we don't feel like we belong to a community, when we don't feel like we have good personal relationships, we suffer. Our spiritual lives suffer. Our physical lives suffer. Obviously, our relational lives suffer. Our emotional lives suffer. And, And I think one of the reasons people in our culture are suffering so deeply now, especially coming out of COVID, is that our personal relationships are just terrible. They're just garbage. We don't, most people do not have a friend that they rely on. Many people do not have strong family bonds. And obviously, most people don't have a church where they connect deeply with other people. So number one, you were made to belong. Number one, you were made to belong. All of us were created to belong, and I'm hoping Christ Church will be a place that you can belong. But number one, you were made to belong. Second thing I want you to see, second biblical truth, is that belonging is hard. Well, you were made to belong. You were made to be part of a community, but belong is not easy. You would think it should be easy. If God created us to belong, right, then belonging should be easy, like I was created to breathe air, Breathing air is easy for me. I don't have to think about that. For most of us, what we are created for should be easy. But this is one thing we are created for, and it's really hard. Belonging is hard. Relationships are hard. They're not just hard for you. They're hard for all of us. They're hard for me. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be good at this stuff. But ask anybody that knows me well, and they'll tell you, oh, relationships are hard for Todd. You know, ask my wife. Ask my kids. Ask the staff here. They'll tell you, oh, yeah, Todd, Todd struggles with relationships sometimes, because belonging is hard. You take a selfish person, and you put them in a relationship with another selfish person. You take a self-centered person, you put them in a relationship with another self-centered person. You take a person that thinks they should be independent, and you put them in a relationship with another person that thinks they should be independent. It's going to be hard. We were created to belong, but belonging is hard. So in Genesis 3, God created all things good, God looked at his creation. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. good." Oh, that's not good. That guy's all by himself. That that won't work. Created Eve and Adam. They were together. Okay, okay. And then in Genesis 3, sin came in the world. You remember? The serpent said to Eve, 
Eat the fruit and you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And Eve ate the fruit. She brought it to Adam. Adam ate the fruit. They were kicked out of the garden. And all of a sudden, relationships got real hard. The very next chapter, chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, is about Cain and Abel, two brothers who should have loved each other, who shared the same DNA, shared the same parents. There's not a lot of people in the world at that point. They should have been close. But all of a sudden, something happened. You remember what happened? Cain got very angry at his brother. It's written for us in Genesis 4, 3 through 7. It says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. That is that he was a farmer and he brought some of his harvest and he offered it to the Lord. Abel, on his part, brought an offering of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. He was a shepherd. He had sheep, so he brought a sheep, a lamb. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So these two brothers should have been in a great community with each other. They both are trying to live in a relationship and community with God. They're sinful, but they're still trying to honor God and live in a relationship with God. The one brother, you know, it's not, we don't, it doesn't seem like there's anything particularly wrong with it. He's a farmer. He brings some of his grain. He offers it to God. The other brother is a shepherd. He brings one of his sheep. He offers it as an offering to God. But God prefers the lamb offering to the grain offering. Why? Because the lamb offering foreshadows Jesus' offering. Jesus is the lamb of God. It foreshadows this propitiation, this blood offering for our sins. But they don't know this. There's no, no big deal. But clearly God prefers this offering and Abel feels that satisfaction of God. And, and Cain doesn't feel that. And the scripture tells us that. And so God is actually talking to Cain, and God's like, no big deal. I prefer that offering. No big deal. Just do, do the right thing, and you'll be happy. Everything will be fine, but be careful. Why? Because sin is crouching at the door. Your anger, your jealousy, your hatred. And what does he do? He waits. He attacks his brother. He kills his brother because his brother has something that he wants. What he deeply wants, what he deeply needs is to belong, right? That's what he deeply wants. He deeply wants God's satisfaction. He deeply wants to belong, but he doesn't know how to belong, and so he kills his own brother. And from that, we see that playing out over and over and over and over throughout Scripture, throughout our lives, even the newspaper and your newsfeed today, we were made to belong, but belonging is hard for us. You see this all through the Scripture. You see this all through life. You see this most clearly in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, there's all these people living in this place called Babel, and they want to belong. 
They have this dream. Let's build a great city and everyone will see how great our city is and everyone will want to come and live here and nobody will leave. It'll be great. We'll have this great community. Their motivation's kind of good, but the way they go about it is wrong. It says in Genesis 11, 3 through 4, they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name for our city. It will be great. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad all over the face of the whole earth. So they're trying to build a community, but the way they're trying to build a community is by building this idolatrous tower to get to heaven, right? It's almost like the, the, the Garden of Eden again. Like, you can become like God if you do this. We'll become like gods if we build this tower to heaven. Everyone will see how great we are. Everyone will want to stay in our community. No one will ever leave. If, if we don't have something like this, everyone will scatter. We'll, we won't, we'll, we'll lose everybody. And so they build this tower, and God does the exact opposite of what they want. God confuses their languages and sends them to the four corners of the world because they're building a community, they're building a life of, of, uh, by idolatry, by usurping God's place for themselves. And you see that again playing out over and over throughout Scripture, throughout our own lives, this desire for community, but this this desire to build community around our images of what should be instead of around God's image. Because belonging is hard. It's hard for all of us. It's hard to be married, right? It's, it's hard to be a good parent. It's hard to be the person God wants you to be in your office. It's hard to have great neighbor relationships. Relationships, community is hard. It's hard. And so we live in a world where there's wars and ethnic strife and religious and racial injustice and violence and terrorism and hatred and political stratification and economic stratification and bigotry. And and all of this is part of this good attempt that we have to belong, but seeking belonging in the wrong ways. You see it all throughout life. So, the good news. <laughs> I know some of you guys are like, oh, man, I was hoping that I'd be encouraged today. Uh, no, there, I got 15 minutes left. If I leave you here, I've done something wrong. But there, there's good news. Number one, you were created to belong. Number two, belonging is hard. But number three, this is the good news. God created a special place for us to belong. God created a special place to belong. When God sent Jesus in the world to redeem the world, you know Jesus didn't just come to redeem you and me. He didn't just come to make us fit for heaven. He didn't just come to make us children of God and that we can stand in God's presence justified. He did. I'm not downplaying any of that. That's essential. But he also came, and this is what's so often overlooked, he came to establish a new community. Not just to save souls. He came to save souls, but he came to establish a new community. That's why his primary message was what? The kingdom of God. Before he came, John the Baptist said, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand. The kingdom is coming. This new community is coming. And the kingdom has already come to some degree. It's going to come in its fullness when he comes again. But in the meantime, when Jesus left this earth, he established a church 
a special place, a special community to belong to. Remember, as he was walking, doing his itinerant ministry, he'd call disciples, say, come follow me. Come, come, come be part of my team. He called 12 of them. Come and follow me. And then there were, all of a sudden there were 72 of them. And he had, come on. There were men and women that were following him. They were following him as he went. He was building a community. He was teaching them, live differently, love differently, act differently towards one another. This is how we do this. He was showing us what the kingdom, what this community was supposed to be like. And then when he left this earth, he said, hey, hey guys, Folks, you know, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave the upper room until the Holy Spirit falls on you. And then I'm communing with you through the Holy Spirit. You're in community together. And then go into the whole world and make this community, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're building this new community because when Jesus came, he came to save us, but he also came to establish a community. And that community is called the church. Now, we can see this all through the New Testament, but we can also see it kind of most clearly in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, where we have a description of what this church, this new community is supposed to be like. So I'm going to walk us through 1 Corinthians and talk about this special place that you and I were created to belong to. We were created to belong. Belonging is hard in this world. We, We try our best, but we keep messing it up. And so God created a special place for us to belong. It's called the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13, it says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. It's an illustration. Just like a human body is one body, but it's got lots of different members, so the body of Christ, the church, is one, even though it has lots of different parts. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. God designed this redemptive community, one body, all filled with one spirit, all these different people that didn't used to belong to each other. In fact, they were excluded from each other, but now they've been brought into a community. He uses the most obvious cultural groupings of his day of people that don't belong to each other to show the extremes of this new community. Jews and Greeks, they belong together. Well, if you know anything about the Old Testament or anything about culture, if you've read a newspaper in the past 3,000 years, you know those folks don't belong together, right? No, he says Jews and Greeks, they're together. They're one. They've got one spirit. They drank of the same spirit. They belong in one body together. Slaves and free, if you know anything about economics, you know anything about the ancient Roman world, you know those two groups, they don't belong together. But the scripture says, no, they belong together. Slaves and free, they're one. They drank of one spirit, they're part of one body. And what he's saying to us is that all these extremes that we set up of community, Republicans and Democrats, Americans and Russians, or this group or that group, immigrants or natives, whatever the groupings are, you know, upper class or working class, whatever our groupings are, this racial group, that racial group, no, they're, they're all one in this special new place that God created to belong. 
And then he's going to go through, if we didn't get it just with that, he's going to go through. He's going to tell us, you belong here. He's writing the, the Corinthians. He says the same thing in the, in, the, in the Roman letter. He's telling them, you belong here. And so he says, differences don't exclude you. You may be here today and you go, well, I don't know if I belong here, you know. I don't look like everybody else here. I don't know if I drive the same car as everyone else here. Everyone else probably supports this candidate, and I believe this, or everyone else probably, you know, believes this, and I do this. I don't know if I belong here. It says, differences don't exclude you. Look at verses 14 through 17. It says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, or again, the head to the feet, I don't need you. He's saying, if you walk into the church, he's writing the first Corinthian church, he's like, if you're in the church, but you feel like maybe I don't belong here, no, you definitely belong. If you say, well, I don't look like everybody else. I don't have the same function as everybody else. I can't do the same things those people do. I don't think the same way those people think. No, you definitely belong. If you look just like the people next to you, I'd say, well, maybe you don't belong, you know, because the body doesn't need eight hands. But if you don't look like anybody else, they need you more than anything. That's what he's telling them. He says the same thing to the Roman church. We need you. Differences don't exclude you. So often in our day and age, in our churches, we drive up. I did this last week. I went to church with my daughter last week. My wife and I, our oldest daughter's living in Chicago. She moved there a year ago, and we went out there and moved her into her apartment. But we haven't been back. I haven't been back since, since when was June last year. And so Margaret and I, over the Labor Day weekend, we drove out to Chicago, and we spent Saturday and Sunday with her. After I participated in the worship service here, at 9.30, which is 8.30 Central. Then I went to church with her at 10 o'clock. And her church, I'm glad she's in a church. I was really thankful to be able to go with her. But her church, she's 22 years old. Her church is like only 20-year-olds. This is like the entire church. Like when we walked in, I was like, you know, Will anybody notice? Well, yeah, they noticed, you know, but fortunately, I was with her. So we go in and we sit down, and this place is just filled with 20-year-olds. Every person on stage in the band is like 25 years old, and, and I'm sitting there. I don't, I'm looking around. I don't see anybody. Fortunately, after the second song, a guy walked in who looked like he was 40. I think he spotted me because he came in and he sat three seats from me, you know, the next seat over. So we had, after the singing time, we had a meet and greet time, and my daughter and my wife were here, and they talked to some guy behind them. But I went over immediately to the 40-year-old, right? <laughs> and he says to me, hey, where are you from? Like, you don't belong here. Like, <laughs> fortunately, I had a good excuse. I was like, yeah, I'm from Virginia. I'm here with my daughter. She's 22. 
I'm just hanging with her today. You know, this is, I know I don't belong here, but this is, I'm, I have a connection. I can be here today. I go, what's your story? Because this guy's like 40. And he goes, yeah, this church is different. It's weird. I don't know how they do it. I came here, I've been here for like 10, 15 years. He said, when I got here like 15 years ago, everybody was in their 20s. And now everybody's in their 20s but me. I don't know how they do that. So I asked my daughter later. She's like, well, it's just the neighborhood. It's just that they, she lives in a neighborhood where everybody's young. They meet in a school. As people get married, they move out because this neighborhood is just that type. But anyways, I, I don't want to get into all that. The point is, that church needs more people to look like me, you know? That church needs more different people, and it's true for us too. I'm, that's why I'm so glad we got a Spanish translation. We got folks in Guatemala and Mexico worshiping with us today. We got folks uh, in, in Kenya worshiping with us today. We got folks online throughout the United States. We, thankfully, and I, I think we just need to keep working on this, we look like the diversity that's in our community, and we want to look more and more like that because differences don't exclude you. And, and when you don't look like that, you're sending a message to the folks that come in, that this is more of a club than a church. Because a church, by nature, what Paul's saying is it's different parts. So often churches, to me, look like this mini marshmallow bag, right? And the marshmallow bag, and I don't know how they do this, but every marshmallow bag I've ever had is like this. Every marshmallow looks exactly alike. Any of you guys ever made marshmallows or eaten a homemade marshmallow? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of homemade marshmallows. It seems like a lot of work for something that, that, that's just super easy. My aunt used to make these. But when you get a homemade marshmallow, what do you notice? They're all different, right? They're different shapes. They're different sizes. Some, but how do they get every marshmallow in this bag? They're all exactly the same size. They're all exactly the same shape. There's none that are like more cooked or burnt than the other ones. I don't know how they do that. I know, obviously, they have some manufacturing process. Someone's not there cutting them. But even like a box of crackers, there's always one that's like a little bit burnt. Or a box of Oreos, there's always one that the, the cream didn't quite get in the middle and you open up the creams just slightly on the side. They're not all exact. These things are all exactly alike. And some churches kind of feel like that. You walk in, it's like everybody's driving the same car. Everybody's wearing the same suit. Everybody just, the church is supposed to be different from that. The church is supposed to look like a body. Okay, differences don't exclude you. I got to move quick now. Weakness doesn't exclude you. This is letter B in your sermon notes. Weakness doesn't exclude you. Verses 22 through 24. On the contrary, it's much truer, Paul says, that the members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. Anybody feel weak this morning? Anybody feel like I'm spiritually not where I should be. I don't even know if I deserve to be here. Anybody ever felt that way? No. We need you. We need you even more. The weaker ones are more necessary. And the members of the body which seem less honorable, on those we bestow a more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become even more presentable, whereas our more presentable members don't need it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the members who lack. Paul says that's how the body works. We got weaker members in our body, and so we protect them, right? Your heart and your lungs and your intestines, 
They're weak. They can't, they can't handle what my hands and my fists and my feet can handle, and so they're protected by my rib cage, right? Because if I don't have them, I'm dead. We got less presentable members of our body. We, we take special care to cover them up. We, we take special care to protect them. And Paul says that's how it is in the church. If you feel like you're weaker, you're more necessary. If you feel like, I don't know if I should be here, you know, you're, you're more important. That the body is supposed to have this component, weaker and stronger. Right? You ever been to a church where you feel like, I, I just don't even know if I, if, I, if I deserve to be here. Do I even deserve to take communion with these people? You know? No, weakness doesn't exclude you. The body of Christ was made to be diverse, like a body. And so Paul says, God created you to belong. Look at verse 24 and 25. This is letter C on your sermon notes. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Did you get that? No division. Can you imagine a church with no division? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, can you imagine a church with no division? How can you have a church with no division when you got Jews and Greeks, when you got slaves and free? How, how, can, you how can you have a church with no division when you got the most divisive elements of our culture together? but that the members may have the same care for one another. Oh, the Jews take care of the Greeks. The free look out for the slaves. The slaves look out for the free. The Greeks look out for the Jews. These, these human groupings that divide us, we overcome them because we have the same care for one another. They're us. They're not them and us. They're us. We're all one body. The word in Greek is ekklesia. That's the word for church. It, the Greeks used it to mean ekklesia, ek, to come out. That the, the council that came out from the group, so a council that oversaw a community, they were the ekklesia. The church took that, that language to mean these folks that have come out of this world, out of the Jews and the Greeks, out of the slaves and the free, they came out of these societal groupings, and we've made a community out of them. And this is God's design. God's design, number one, God created you to belong. Number two, belonging is really hard in this world. We set up belonging around sameness in this world, and then we fight against those that are different. But no, God's come and created a new community. Out of these communities, we come together as one. And the point is, is that you can belong here. God created you to belong here. The main idea in all this is that you and I were made to belong, and the church is the place that you can belong. We all need a place to belong, and you can belong right here. That's what the church is supposed to be. And it's supposed to be the place where all of these groups, all these individuals, all these people struggling to belong in the world now in Christ become one. Well, this is a great time to belong to Christ Church. We've got a new pastor. We're through the transition. We're 
coming into the fall, we're coming out of COVID. And on your sermon notes, at the back of your sermon notes, I wrote a few questions under the doggy bag section. I always do this. These are questions to come and chew on. But below that, I wrote eight ideas of ways that you could take a step towards belonging this week. I want to just go through these real quick. Number one, fill out your connection card. I kind of, I filled out my own just uh, this morning, but that's really helpful to us. And, and I know a lot of us struggle to fill out our connection cards. We don't do that. We, we're not used to doing that. I've, I've had to learn how to do that online myself. I'd never done that before in my life until I came here to Christchurch. But it is so important to check in with us and for us to be a check in with you. On the flip side, I know we haven't always done a good job following up with people. Some people share prayer requests and for some reason they get lost or some people mark things and they get lost. We're working on our end, on the staff end, to try to fix that. And I'm going to ask you guys to work on your end to stay connected that way. Number two, sign up for my newsletter. If you come to Christchurch and you don't get the pastor newsletter, there's something wrong. You need to get that newsletter because that has all the highlights of ways to connect through the week. Uh, and so if you don't get anything else from Christchurch, you should get the pastor newsletter. If you don't get it, let Darla know. Maybe you do get it and it goes to your junk mail or it goes to your promotional mail. We'll figure that out. But also we have like 10 other newsletters. Discipleship has a newsletter. Uh, kids ministry has a newsletter. Youth ministry has a newsletter. All these different ministries that we have uh, have their own newsletters. Inclusive Ministry has a newsletter. You can sign up for those and there's a link there, ChristchurchVA.org org forward slash updates to sign up for those if you're interested in any of those. We don't want to fill everyone up with every newsletter. And so we uh, just, if I can help you, if Darla can help you, we'll sign up for those. Today at four o'clock, come to Welcome Back. It's going to be great fun. Kids, youth, adults, we've got something for everybody. A great way to connect. Wednesday night, we've got dinner and discipleship. Come and join us. We're going to have pizza. Next week, we're going to have pizza. <laughs> again, pizza the pastor. That's number six. If you don't get the online bulletin, it's, again, I, I'm not used to that. I'm used to going to a church and them handing me a piece of paper and having the bulletin that way. I'm not used to going to church and having electronic, but there's a lot of advantages to having an electronic bulletin. We just have to learn to get into that routine. And so I'm going to encourage you to figure out how to do that. The QR code's an easy way. The app, which I use, is an easy way. Um, number seven, uh, get the app. Number eight, midday prayer. Every day we're reading through the New Testament together. What I'm saying is, I'm your pastor. I'm not alone here, but I'm, I'm your new lead pastor. And I feel a weight to try to help you belong to this community. Whether you're online or here in person, or you used to be in person, now you're watching online or whatever, I'm trying to connect with you I'm hoping you guys want to connect with each other, and I want to build that belonging, that connection, that church. I want to help you do that. I want you to help me do that. So let me know how I can do that. Let me know how you can do that. I want to be this kind of church the Bible talks about. That, that's, that's our DNA. That's our heart here at Christ Church. We want to be the church. We want to be what the world needs. We want to be this redemptive community that God created us. And I'm praying that God would help us do that. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for uh, the church, your body. That you call us into this redemptive community. You created us for relationships, for belonging. And all of us have struggled with belonging. All of us know what it is to be excluded. All of us know what it is to try to work our way into a community, try to live up to their standards, try to look like, act like, so we can be included. I just pray, Lord, that this would be a place 
where we can all come, weak as we are, unpresentable as we may feel, and know we belong. This may be a place where we feel what you created us to feel in that garden, to be one with others, to be living out this gospel life together, to be part of a kingdom with Christ as our king, to be part of a body with Jesus as the head. So help us, Lord, to to live into this community. Help us to take a step today and this week to belong and to help somebody else belong. Help us to be those who have the same care for one another, especially care for those who, who feel different. May you be glorified in it and may this world experience you, Lord Jesus, through us, your church. We pray in his name. Amen.